everybody and welcome to the roadie on the horn podcast my name as usual is donovan and i'm here with my co-host and all-around good guy who lives in iowa and illinois depending on the day of the week ryan ryan how are you doing today i'm doing well donnie you know middle of september a lot of sports going on and that's what we talk about we talk about sports so uh as always excited to get into it yeah meanwhile uh compared to a couple months ago when we talked about sports when no sports were going on so uh you know definitely a seismic change in our world and you know, definitely a positive change, um, but but yeah, I think uh, we are really hitting a, a part of the year that is just basically unmatched right now. I would say, you know, you have baseball coming into playoff time uh, during their shortened season. You have hockey and basketball playoffs going on, which have seemed to be going on for like I don't know, like months now at this point. Um, and then you know, the NFL's here, college football's here. It's just it's a good time to be a sports fan, honestly. Yeah, it really is. I as you said, unprecedented. We've never had a September where uh, we're used to having baseball and football on, but now we have NHL and NBA playoffs, big time action going on. So uh, yeah, that that is really nice. But uh, I want to start in the NFL. We just had week one. We had our full preview podcast last week. So definitely check that out uh, if you want to hear our takes on what we think is going to go down. But we saw one week of action and I got to address the Philadelphia Eagles. They blew a 17 point lead to the Washington football team. Did not look too great. I had my concerns about the Eagles going into the game. They had a lot of injuries. Miles Sanders and some of their offensive linemen, Lane Johnson. So uh, the offensive line really struggled. So uh, yeah, that was a little bit sad to watch on Sunday. But overall, it was nice to have football back. Uh, I mean, really, just just a football Sunday where I'm sitting on my couch watching Red Zone. I mean, it was it was really nice. Yeah, and I do think uh, you may not have been um, publicized, but he did say if there was going to be a team that gets upset this week, it is the Eagles. Uh, he he was uh, he was big on the Washington Football Team um potentially winning yeah. last week so yeah i mean i i saw just like washington's defensive line is so good i feel like it's so easy for people to just be like oh God, washington they're garbage they they were so terrible last year but their defensive line is actually really solid a ton of first round picks on the defense ryan kerrigan was really really good in this game chase young as well deron Payne, jonathan allen just so many studs on that defensive line montez sweat as well so uh they kind of had their way with uh some of the eagles reserves on the o-line but uh, yeah, just just a shout out to the to the Redskins or I can't say Redskins, the Washington football team, their defensive line. So yeah, I mean that was kind of where I had some of my concern uh, as we head, headed into that game, and then it, and then it came true. The second half, the Eagles offense it really sputtered. So uh, obviously, I'll be following the Eagles throughout all the year. I think they'll have they'll bounce back. I mean, uh, it was tough. They they should have Miles Sanders back uh, and Lane Johnson as well this Sunday. So uh, they take on the Rams in that one. So uh, now you got to face Aaron Donald. So not like things get much easier, but. Uh, yeah, that was a tough one on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I got to watch the Giants um, sputter as well a little bit. The run game was atrocious. There was literally no run blocking at all. Um, pass blocking was fantastic. I'll say that. The pass blocking was, was surprisingly good compared to uh, what I expected, considering they've got a bunch of, um, it's either high-level, high-name guys, uh, younger players, or no names out there, depending on the O-line, uh, whoever you pick. And um, they did better than I thought they did, but the run run blocking was atrocious. It was just awful. Um, they let whoever was coming off the edge on either side just absolutely dominate all game. Um, Saquon couldn't get anything going. He was great out of the backfield catching passes, but um, the Giants kind of kind of let let us down a little bit. Obviously, we had some some mistakes. Daniel Jones threw just maybe the worst pick of all time in the red zone. 
Um, while running left, he tried to throw right. It just, you know, just never ideal. Um, not, not the correct situation to be doing any of that. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's like th this is we have different expectations for our teams. I think I think you expected the Eagles to actually compete. Um, I expect the Giants to win six or seven games. Um, I'd say eight or nine is the max, and that would be if, if they somehow learn how to block, um, which is does, does not look promising. Um, but I think we both have uh, positive and negative takeaways to go with. Obviously, with the Giants, it's like we saw some growth out of some guys. Um, Daniel Jones looked very good other than the mistakes. Uh, you see random guys step up. Obviously, the DBs were not great for the Giants, but that's to be expected when you have 17 young DBs out there on the roster and you can't work Logan Ryan in everywhere. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of things and a little bit let down by other things. Obviously, we saw Saquon not really be able to run much last year as well. He had to make a lot of his own holes and such, and it seems like that's going to be a lot of how this is this year. Um on the Eagles side of things, what are some positive takeaways you can take from the game that you got um, week one? Yeah, it's good to bring that up there. I thought one of the positives, uh, Darius Slay, obviously probably the biggest addition for the Eagles this offseason, coming over from the Lions. He was actually shadowing Terry McLaurin, the uh, Redskins top, oh my God, I keep saying Redskins, the Washington football team top receiver. So that was nice to see. That was something I kind of wondered in the offseason if the Eagles would use Slay as a shadow, and he actually uh, played pretty decent. Uh, we saw one deep ball to Jalen Rager uh, that went through in the first half. That was a really nicely thrown ball. So uh, hopefully we see a little bit more of that. I thought Deshaun Jackson could have been a little bit more involved in the offense. But uh, there were definitely some positives for the Eagles. Uh, and then I'll just touch on, lastly, going back to what you were talking about with the Giants. I just want to see Saquon Barkley get him the football on some screens or something. It, it, I, I understand the run blocking was tough, but uh, I still think he's too good a player for um, that to kind of waver away. I, I, I still think Saquon should get... Uh, a little bit more touches in that offense. So we'll see if Jason Garrett can adjust. But uh, yeah, it, it was a good week one. You know, unfortunate for, for our two teams, Donnie. But I mean, hey, we, we previewed the NFC East. We know what goes on in this division. It's not very good football. I think both these teams are definitely going to have their opportunities to win it um, because it's just not that strong of a division. We see that Washington is the only team that won a game. Dallas also lost to the Rams. So um, yeah, it's going to be a long battle. But uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it was still nice to have, to have football back on Sunday. So, uh, you know, we can we can save some of the negativity for, for later in the year, I'm thinking. Oh, there will be negativity to It's come. coming. We um, know it's coming. Yeah, but but let, let's shift to a more positive aspect. Week one, what was your favorite week one game to watch? What was the game of the week to watch, in your opinion, at least? Man, that was a good question. There were definitely a good amount of games. I'm actually going to give you kind of a game that maybe kind of went under the radar a little bit, but I thought the Raiders and Panthers game, that was actually a pretty solid game. We saw a couple of deep balls for Henry Ruggs and uh, Robbie Anderson. Chris McCaffrey had a good game as well. There was just a ton of points going on in that game, so uh, that was a fun one to watch, I would say. Which is fair. I think, um, I don't know, those are two teams that I don't think anybody had any expectations. Like, nobody knew what to expect. Obviously, um, we, we've seen the Raiders over and over and over. You know, they have these good starts every once in a while, and then they sputter really, really hard. Um, you'd expect it to happen again uh, if they win a couple games here and there. And I think it's probably the same with Carolina. I don't know. I don't think anybody has any idea what Carolina is really capable of. Um, obviously, the offense was a little bit better than we thought they were going to be, I think, uh, working in a new quarterback and all that. Um, but yeah, uh, we had some close games. Uh, I, I think another great game that we had this week was between the Cardinals and the Niners. Um, you know, obviously you being the big Kyler Murray fan you are, um, but must have been exciting to watch him go out there and ball out. Obviously Hopkins was just ridiculous. We're going to see just how important he is. And then on the other side of the field, we saw Raheem Mostert had, um, a very effective game, both running and out of the, 
a backfield catching passes, which is, you know, something that you can expect a lot out of. Um, but again, we talked about this division and how these games are going to be ridiculous. I could see many, many more games like this where they're kind of slow and then the fourth quarter is just back and forth action um, in this division. And again, I think this just firms the fact that, you know, Arizona is going to be very good. San Francisco could very well be very good and everybody else could be very good in that division. Yeah, that was a really good game out there in the NFC West. That was uh, one of the divisions that was really fun to break down. But yeah, you brought up that game. Kyler Murray was the leading rusher. He had 91 yards. DeAndre Hopkins had 151 through the air. So uh, I love watching Arizona's offense. They run more four wide receiver sets than anybody in football. Uh, they love spreading the ball out and throwing it out there. So uh, really fun to watch Cliff Kingsbury's offense. And I think Kyler Murray runs it really well. And then going to what you were saying, just overall for this division, yeah, the Rams, they got the win over the Cowboys. And Seattle looked really good in Atlanta as well. So uh, yeah, that division's going to be a dog fight. But yeah, it was nice to see the, the Cards get a win, back up my Kyler Murray hype uh, from the offseason a little bit there. So uh, yeah, some good football going on in week one. I thought that was uh, pretty good just to kind of give an overview of what we saw on Sunday. But I'm going to shift over now to some college football news. So there was big news today that came out out of the Big Ten that we found out that we are getting Big Ten football back this year. That is big time news. Uh, I know this is something that we've touched on uh, before in the podcast. Obviously, uh, if you've kind of only casually been following it, we were having ACC and Big 12 and SEC football, but the Big Ten and Pac-12 canceled. Well, the Big Ten, they thought it over. They voted again between their league. Uh, presidents and chancellors and they said we will resume competition and kind of interesting what they said has changed between when they said no season and now when they're saying season is they said now they have daily testing capabilities and a stronger confidence in medical information I don't know I don't know how either of these two things changed what their decision was I think they always had daily testing capabilities other schools did uh, like like literally other conferences have that ability and more confidence in medical information i don't i don't know they didn't like cite anything specific so i thought that was kind of bs i mean i don't know there was a lot of weird decisions going on with the big 10 going back they released a schedule and then like a week later they canceled and now it's coming back so i don't know it's kind of a shit show i think the big 10 has not really handled things too well but hey we're getting big 10 football october 23rd and 24th that's when it's coming back that's big news for me uh excited to see iowa play obviously as a student there so uh, yeah, that's really nice that uh, we're getting some sort of Big Ten football, having a chance to compete in the college football playoff. But uh, yeah, that was some big news that came out today. It's very strange to me how just randomly out of nowhere after a couple weeks of saying, oh, yeah, we, we don't think we're going to do this. They're just like, yeah, you know, we're back. Um, but I, th I think in 2020, things like this, especially with sports decisions, you know, anything can happen on a whim. And, you know, they had they were had their um, I guess they had a conference together or whatever where everybody got together, all the uh, decision makers got together and they discussed over the weekend, which is fine. Um, the only thing that's confusing to me is the timeline of everything. It's like, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Everybody's going to be halfway done with their season. They're just going to be like, yeah, we're here. Hey, guys. Um, which is definitely interesting. But uh, again, I, I think it's more than anything. It's a money thing. Uh, they probably saw you know other schools doing it fine and they, there was no real panic. I don't think any of the college schools have really had um, that many issues, those that are playing at least. Obviously, there's COVID issues in a lot of different places, but um, they have been swept up under the rug because these schools are very confident they can get rid of these uh, these issues and all that. Um, it's just very strange to me how everything has pa panned out. It seems like everything has either happened really quick or it's been dragged out for no real reason. Um, I, I don't know. You would have assumed that once schools in the ACC and such decided, hey, we're going to do this, the Big Ten would have been like, yeah, you know, you know uh, we've decided um, – that we're just going to follow what everybody else does. Um, but I, I guess that's not how this works necessarily, which is 
uh, different than what I would have expected. Um, again, you know, the, the Big Ten maybe doesn't have all of the great schools that we're looking for to play, but adding in schools like Iowa and Ohio State and Penn State, it makes college football college football. I think that that's the important part is you get you get the schools with the tenure, you get the schools with the history. Uh, back in it and it makes things more normal and I think normalcy is a good thing at this point in the year yeah it it definitely be nice the Big Ten will have an eight game season right before uh, the Big Ten Conference Championship and then uh, likely getting a team into the playoffs if they run the table say Ohio State goes eight no they're probably going to get in the playoffs just uh, based on precedent and how things go there but yeah like you're saying a lot of strange decisions there were a lot of criticism of the Big Ten that they made that decision too early to cancel and then there were actually like big impacts in terms of athletic departments I know Iowa specifically they had to drop multiple sports like swimming and diving and uh, some of some of the other sports got dropped here. So obviously football brings in the most significant part of your revenue. So uh, you take that away for a little bit. That actually impacts your entire athletic department, hurt Iowa a little bit. So uh, and some other schools as well. I think Minnesota lost some sports as well. So that's obviously very unfortunate. But I mean, yeah, like we were saying, weird decision making. We <laughs> Donnie and I have been critical of the MLB with Rob Manfred with some of the things that they did. That's kind of strange. But yeah, I think Big Ten is kind of right up up there with them in terms of 2020 wacky decision making. Would you anticipate any of the uh, high-end players in the Big Ten deciding to uh, just opt out? Because I know we've seen, there are a couple guys, there was a, an Ohio State prospect, I, I don't necessarily uh, know anything about Ohio State's football team at this point, um, considering college football teams change so often, but I saw there is a very high-level prospect that opted out. Do you think that the Big Ten will have more opt-outs than a normal conference would, considering everything feels so thrown together and kind of inconsistent with what everything else has been going with, like all the other conferences I've gone with? Yeah, it really wouldn't surprise me, because there's already been players that have opted out, like you said. I know Rashad Bateman of Minnesota, Rondell Moore of Purdue are two other guys that I know for certain opted out, uh, two of the better receivers in this upcoming draft. But yeah, I mean, we were talking about our players going to consider transferring because we didn't think Big Ten was going to have a year. So I'm sure there's so many players in so many interesting spots that they were like, well, I was going to transfer, but now Big Ten football is back. So yeah, I mean, it really, it, it makes my head go crazy with all the uh, weird stuff that they're going on. It, it's so hard to listen to some of these decision makers talk about reasons for why they change things and then they don't even give any detail. Like like daily testing capabilities, Like I really don't think anything changed in the last like month since they released it that now they have the ability to daily test. Like I, I'm just so skeptical on that that uh, I, I don't know. Like Donnie said, it's a money thing. I understand that. Football brings in all the money. The Big Ten was like, oh, maybe, you know what? Actually, I wouldn't mind these these millions of dollars in, in TV revenue if, if we play a season. So... <laughs> That's what happened. I am so confident in saying that. But yeah, I mean, hey, we'll, we'll shout out the weird decision makers because it's 2020 and that's what's going on. Yeah, at this point, if you get something done, you know, props to you. Obviously, I don't think anything has really changed with the testing or anything like I said before. But if you can if you can come to an agreement with all those people that um, need to do these things, you know, it's, it's a big win. Um, you have to feel for the, the athletes that have lost their sports, like swim, swimmers and divers, as you were saying. That's just that's depressing. That's a very sad reality of the college football and college sports world. Um, you know, the, the money makers are the ones that get on TV. So it's like, you know, obviously college football is a big one. College baseball uh, up there. College basketball, another one. Um, and, and some of the smaller sports like swimming and diving that are, are not necessarily TV sports uh, will get left in in the past. And I mean, obviously it's unfortunate. I can't do anything about it. Um, the only people that can do something about it are those probably those athletes that could petition and do their best. But um, yeah, just a shout out to those people who uh, obviously have went through are going going to be going through some of the more 
I, I don't know. That's got to be very depressing as an athlete when you work so hard towards anything and then you lose your sport because another sport decides, hey, we're going to come and do this. Um, it's definitely unfortunate. You have to feel for these people a little bit. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, just another reality check that college sports and NCAA maybe not as uh, pure and simplistic as you would hope. Uh, I know, I believe I've told this story on the podcast before, but uh, there was an Iowa football game last year. I think it was our last game against Illinois. And I was working, helping working the game for Big Ten Network. I was actually on the sideline holding one of those Parab like microphones, like those on-field mics, like when you hear like players' helmets like hit each other or whatever. Like I was one of those guys on the sideline holding that mic, like aiming it at the play. And I, as I was on there on the sideline, I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm making more money by doing this. I was making like 15 bucks an hour from Big Ten Network than any single player on the field is making. Like, I was just thinking about that, like, man, maybe that's not necessarily the best thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that are wrong with college sports, but, hey, you know what? This is positive news. We're getting Big Ten football. I'm excited. So, uh, yeah, thought I would uh, that would bring that up here. Yeah, fair. Definitely fair. And uh, we've I think we've discussed the whole uh, pay-to-play thing before. Not, nothing that we can really discuss right now because nothing has changed. But I think we can shift towards another sport, uh, and where we've seen some some pretty shocking developments, that's the NHL. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. Uh, Dallas has knocked off Vegas in uh, a series that I couldn't have predicted if I wanted to. Uh, that happening, I, I if had you asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, there's no chance that Dallas makes it this far. And I'm I'm sure we had this discussion on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and I said, yeah, there's no shot. Um, and then on the other other hand, we've got a, a series, I guess, out of Tampa versus the Islanders. It looks like the Islanders are, are trying to stage a comeback. Um, unlikely, but definitely potential there. Uh, we've seen some pretty good hockey so far, especially the conference finals games have been, you know, tightly contested. Um, you know, maybe the, the Dallas Vegas series didn't go as long as people thought it would, but, um, you know, maybe maybe we're getting to a point where we're really going to see some of the better coach teams just really do things here. Um, you know, I think specifically me with Dallas, I didn't know much about Dallas's coaching. I didn't know much about Dallas's youth, but it seems like every game, one of these younger players steps up and makes these massive, massive just, just additions to their team. It's like Kivaranta has been the clutchest player alive yeah. maybe here. Yeah, I was going to bring up just... Kivaranta if you didn't. He's been unbelievable uh in game seven against the abs he was great and then uh even yeah as you said in that series with vegas so uh i gotta give dallas the respect you know they were a team i doubted i on this podcast i i was saying you know what i don't i don't know about dallas uh you know they're, they're still starting anton kadobin in that but he's really answered the bell so uh yeah respect for dallas getting to the cup final and then yeah as you said touching on the east i i still think tampa's winning the series i know the islanders are making a little bit of game of it but uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about Tampa. We're fans of the Tampa Bay Lightning here. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna say Tampa beats the Islanders and beats the Stars in the Cup Final, but that probably means that if I keep doubting Dallas, maybe they keep winning. But, no, I'm going to stick with it. I'm, gonna, I'm still saying that uh, I'm picking Tampa to win it all. I think it's fair at this point. Um, I don't know. I'm just more surprised that uh, Tampa lost first off Game 5. That was maybe the most boring Game 5 double overtime game in the history of playoff hockey. Um, the Islanders had like 18 shots through into the second overtime, and it was just a, a real slow doozy of a game. Um, I can imagine if somebody was watching hockey, that was their first hockey game, they'd be like, "What is what is this sport about? Why am I interested? Why are you interested in this?" Um, but yeah, if this if the style works, the style works. Um, I would still say Tampa will win the series. They have more chances to do it. They they have less risk. Um, 
at this point. They, they can still afford to lose a game and, and then go to Game 7. Uh, but it is difficult without Braden Point. Braden Point still dealing with an injury, still don't have Stamkos. Um, a lot of different question marks for them. Uh, and if they did make it to the Cup, even then, without Point and without Stamkos, there would be a lot of question marks. And if they could beat a Dallas team that is just humming on all cylinders here, um, but I, I've wanted to ask a question that you're, you might not be prepared for. Um, do you think that the NHL has really done the best job of any of the leagues in terms of their bubble situation? Because at this point, I think that there's no, uh, you, you can't really argue against it at this point with how just efficient it seems like everything has been. There's no COVID worries at all in the NHL right now. They even traveled to another bubble and it ended up working fine. But I wanted to hear your thought process on everything here and just like, surprisingly good how how everything has went so far yeah i am definitely in agreement with you on that i know when the when the bubble first started i was almost skeptical like how good it was i was like i was like not believing how good that the uh nhl's bubble was but yeah i mean it was something that we highlighted a lot in the summer donnie about how the fact that the nhl can play in canada where covid is not as significant of a risk uh as it's been unfortunately in the united states so you're talking nba they're having a bubble in florida nfl and mlb they're just playing in their own park so when you consider all that, it makes sense why the NHL has had so much success and they've done a really, really good job uh, at mitigating the spread of COVID. Obviously, we haven't had any team really significantly influenced. And then you take a look at the MLB. We've had a bunch. It's still coming up. The, New, the San Francisco Giants, they're uh, testing positive even ongoing right now. So, uh, yeah, definitely got to give a shout out to the NHL. I think they have done a really good job with that. So uh, definitely good observation. Yeah, whereas we can shift over to the NBA a little bit here. They have guys trying to sneak in people and, you know, do yeah. all this. And, Our guy and Lou Williams is hitting up the strip club, yep. Oh, Lou Williams is going to a strip club. Like, you know, th things are just weird with the NBA, and I think that's to be expected. Um, But we did see one of the more major collapses in yeah. and maybe NBA history. Stunning. Uh, which is uh, shocking to me in, in the first place. As a Laker fan, I was almost – I thought it was destined for a Lakers Clippers conference final, which would have probably been the final for a lot of people yeah. in terms of a viewing pleasure. I know that you've brought this up multiple times, um, but we saw the Clippers uh, go up three, one fairly easily. I'd say, I don't think they had much trouble winning those games. And then we saw the nuggets again, just decide, Hey, we're not done with this. We want to be here. And, Put in some dominant performances. Game seven, the second half was ridiculously slanted. I don't know if you watched necessarily, but the Clippers could not score. Uh, Paul George shot twenty five percent. Kawhi shot thirty percent, and they got washed by a team that has been considered basically an afterthought by the majority of basketball fans in general. I think. Yeah, that is definitely a good point. I was definitely expecting a Lakers Clippers Western Conference final, so it is definitely surprising to see the Clippers go up. But yeah, to your point. It just seemed like the Clippers, they just couldn't muster up enough offense, which is kind of surprising. I think they're pretty well coached defensively. They have a lot of guys like uh, Patrick Beverly that uh, just get the job done defensively. But then on offense, it just seemed like they were relying way too much on Kawhi. Like every single position, they just feed it to Kawhi in the post and kind of just hope he made something happen. Uh, really all playoffs, we didn't have the Paul George that I think the Clippers were kind of hoping for, uh, for especially if they were going to compete for a championship. So uh yeah it was definitely surprising I, it's not something i expected even going into game seven i was kind of thinking i was like i, I still kind of think the clippers are going to pull this out i thought they were the better team but got to give respect to the nuggets they've been playing well jamal murray uh i know that was a player i shouted out uh, a few podcasts ago for balling out so uh they've been really good but yeah i mean going now western conference final i'm thinking it's lakers i got the lakers in in six over the nuggets so uh i i think the lakers are, are kind of kind of continue to roll here but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely have to respect the Nuggets. I mean, they've been in the playoffs before. Uh, this is now obviously the furthest they've been in quite some time getting the conference final. So uh, definitely good there for the Nuggets. 
Yeah, props to them for sure. Um, and I, I know a lot of people. Again, uh, I, there was a. I'm sure if you went on Twitter and you're part of sports Twitter, at some point you saw um the four or five minute V roll of just them saying, "Oh yeah, the Clippers are the best team in the league. Clippers are winning it all." You know, Charles Barkley coming out and saying the Clippers, Marcellus Wiley saying the Clippers are going to lose a game in the playoffs. Um, and you know, uh, now, now we're at a point where again anything can happen in sports. That's why we love it. Um, which is uh, a good segue into the opposite conference, which is now the conference finals between the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. Neither team that I would have really projected to get this far. Um, and I know we talked about it last week with Miami having uh, random performances out of guys like Jimmy Butler showing up and being an absolute superstar out there um, around guys like Goran Dragic, um, Bam Adebayo. But um, I don't know if you watched the game one at all. Um, they went to overtime. Fantastic, fantastic game. Jimmy Butler hit some clutch shots. Um, Jimmy Butler is as efficient a player as I can remember in terms of a non-LeBron type guy. It's like even when Jimmy Butler is hitting threes and he's driving and playing elite defense, he's one of the top six, seven players in the league. And I think that's something that a lot of people are neglecting at this point. Yeah. We talked about Jimmy Butler last podcast as well, but he's really been fun to watch. And, and like you said, the clutch factor, I mean, he's, he seems like every single game, fourth quarter, it's like, get the ball to Jimmy Butler and he's going to make something happen. So, uh, he's been really good. Uh, Miami obviously leading that series one nothing right now for us at time of recording. So uh, I th- I think that's going to be a long series though. I think Boston's going to battle back. I, I think they uh, Brad Stevens usually does a pretty nice job. But I still every time I watch Boston, it's kind of like going back to what I was saying with the Clippers. I feel like they're just too reliant on one guy. And for Boston, I feel like that's Jason Tatum. I feel like he's kind of the guy that he can, can you can consistently count on Tatum to score. But outside of that, it's too inconsistent. Marcus Smart sometimes it's like oh Marcus Smart's hot, but I don't think he's consistent enough a scorer for them to consistently rely on. You have Jalen Brown as well, but uh, I still kind of question if he is as consistent as offensively as he is good defensively. So, uh, yeah, that's been an interesting series. But, yeah, I mean, the best player on the court, it's definitely been Jimmy Butler, and I don't think there's any arguing that uh, when it comes to the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, I think it's really funny to see people comparing uh, Bam Adebayo's block at the end of the game to like a LeBron James Tiago splitter or LeBron James like the the the, the chase down block. It's like you know, props to props to Bam for getting in there and props to Bam for making one of the more uh, I don't know, just like randomly high quality plays that we've seen because he didn't really have a play on the ball until just a second before the play developed, and then he got in there and made just a, a fantastic clutch play. And that's the type of play you need to win a championship. That's the, that's the type of play that you need. You need guys like that selling out to ensure that their team wins the game. And, you know, I, it feels like at this point, the Heat are a team that has bought in to the whole underdog, you know, people have been counting us out type deal. Um, and that could take you a long way in sports in general. Just having that underdog mentality makes you play better. I think it's been uh, time and time again proven that, you know, the team that is counted out, um, it has they been the entire playoffs? Uh, I don't think anybody expected them to make it this far, and now they are uh, in command of a conference final. It's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, I think that is really a good point, and kind of what I would respond to that. I feel like when I look at the two teams that are left here in the Eastern Conference Final, obviously Miami and Boston, I think one similarity that they have is a really good head coach. I think Eric Sprolstra for Miami, he's been there for so long and has done such a good job at getting different guys to buy into uh, what they have going on there. And then obviously Brad Stevens for Boston, I think one of the best coaches. So uh, I would throw in Nick Nurse as well. I think he's a really good coach for the Raptors. Obviously, uh, they just came up short to Boston. But I think that's kind of what I look at in in the East that's kind of put them over, say, Philadelphia or Milwaukee. I feel like it's the coaching edge that uh, has kind of been brought out so far in this playoffs in the East. Yeah, especially when you consider – in the playoffs, in the bubble, there's no advantage. No, it's the best team will win most of the time, and the best coach team will will have the advantage. Um, 
and, and you know if it's even just rotations or finding a soft spot in in the op- opponent's defense, you know it's like we've seen time and time again. Uh, guys like Goran Dragic have been ridiculous, and we haven't seen Goran Dragic be good in a long time. He has been a very middling, uh, lower-end quality player, but back in his prime, he was a near-elite guard in the league, uh, and just getting the most out of guys like that, and, and like you know making them turn, it, turn back the clock, per se, is something that we really don't see very often in the NBA. I feel like the NBA is very um, superstar-heavy, and it's like with the Lakers, for example— um, Last year with LeBron, LeBron didn't have that steady coach to, uh, you know, make adjustments and all that. And now LeBron and all them have seemed to buy into the whole situation with Vogel. Um, whereas there are teams like the Bucks that you could tell right off the bat, if they lose Giannis, they're done. And they lost Giannis and then they were done and it was over. It was it was quick. Um, not to say that there's bad coaches on any of these teams or whatever, but there is uh, – basketball in a, maybe might be the most – coach heavy sport in the league in terms of um win value um you know if you have a good coach that can see what's going on on the court that's going to be all the difference yeah definitely a trend that we've seen in this playoffs uh, especially show up so um that was kind of interesting there out of the nba obviously uh that's something we'll continue to follow i think really high quality play in basketball there's been uh so many games that are fun to watch out of the nba so uh, definitely check that out over there. But uh, we can move on last of the four sports. We're hitting all four sports uh, this podcast, as we said. I mean, a lot of sports going on here in September. So uh, love that. Usually usually October and March are kind of like the months. Not this March, obviously. This March kind of sucked. But uh, now September, October, they're heating up. So with a lot of sports going on, we love it. So we'll move on now to baseball. Donnie and I were just talking about before this podcast. Baseball playoffs are creeping up. We're under two weeks before we get some playoff baseball going on. So that is really nice. But... Top team in baseball right now, it's Donnie's team. It's the LA Dodgers. Donnie, how are you feeling about the LA Dodgers right now? You know, before this uh, before the series against the Padres, I was a little bit worried. I was a little less uh, excited on how they were playing. Um, you know, blew a couple games. Uh, Kenley had a tough one the other night uh, over the weekend. But it, they've bounced back. You know, the Padres are, I, I think most people are considering them the number two in the NL right now um, in terms of just, you know, talented um I, I mean, streaky-ish, but talented teams. And the Dodgers really didn't have many issues with them. Um, the Monday night, bullpen blew up. It happens. You're not going to have a great bullpen every night. But Tuesday and Wednesday, they were pretty dominant performances. And that's just what you're looking for, um, you know, in, in a divisional matchup like that, especially when it's gotten close. And uh, after the game um, and some losses happened today, the Dodgers clinched a playoff spot, the first team to clinch. Um, so if you're a Dodger fan, you should be excited. Justin Turner's back. They're getting healthy again. Uh, Gavin Lux is starting to perform a little bit here and there. And then you have Mookie Betts, who is, um, I'd say my favorite for MVP. I think most would agree. It's either him, Freddie Freeman. Um, but yeah, it's really, really interesting to see how the Dodgers have been so consistent getting out of slumps. You know, you have a couple games here and there where you just, you falter. That's how baseball is. You're not going to win all your series in the year. They had won their first 10 or 11 series of the year. And then they faltered a little bit. But the best teams in baseball are the teams that can lose and then come back and put together streaks again and start to put wins together. And I think the Dodgers have proven time and time again they can do that. Um, They said interesting stat on TV today. Um, This late in the year, obviously, it's a little bit earlier. But we haven't seen a team that had the best pitcher ERA in terms of starters and relievers in the league. And the Dodgers have both of those right now, which is surprising considering the Dodgers' bullpen was such a question mark. Um... You know, considering uh, there are other teams in the NL that have pr- pretty brutal bullpen issues, including your Cubs at this point. 
yeah, uh, unfortunate with the Cubs there. But yeah, good analysis there on the Dodgers. I think, uh, especially this past series that they had with the Padres, that uh, kind of really helped the Dodgers out. I think they are definitely the best team in baseball, at least as of right now. So uh, definitely a good chance for them to get back to the World Series, obviously. So uh, good shout out there. And then I just have two other notes that I want to bring up here about baseball. I know I mentioned AL wild card. Coming up September 29th is the date for that. So as I said, under two weeks away. So that's something to look forward to. MLB actually announced this week that they are going to have a bubble for the playoffs. So thought that was interesting. The ALDS American League will be in San Diego and Los Angeles. And then the NLDS will be in Houston and Arlington. So Southern California and Texas, the location for uh, the MLB postseason bubble. thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, I think we all knew that there was going to have to be a bubble situation. It's like, imagine COVID, like, delaying the playoffs. Like, teams have to take off a week of games, and then everything else goes up. Everybody, everybody else is playing, and then there's one team or one series that can't be played. I think we knew it was uh, it was going to happen. The locations are interesting to me. But, uh, you know, if, if they feel like they can cordon off locations for a while and play baseball games, what can I say? I can't, I can't argue with it. Yeah, good stuff. I definitely agree that bubble was the right call there for MLB. Uh, they've been the league, as we were just saying. NHL's done a great job. MLB has had the most number of teams with positive COVID cases. So uh, I think that was a necessary move there uh, for baseball to go with a bubble. And, you know, uh, I think we'll assume that uh, if the NFL does get this far, there will be a bubble at some point uh, for them. That'll be a real shit show, considering how many players and coaches and staff members will have to be in the bubble. But uh, I think with the NHL and NBA doing a primarily good job, I think the bubble thing is going to be a very fair point. Uh, it's going to have to happen for the MLB now and then the NFL eventually. Yep. Good analysis there. So now, yeah, that was a good breakdown. All four sports we had on right there. So that was good stuff. But now shift over to our listener questions for this week. So we can start with our good friend Scotty G saying – Best goal song in the NHL that is not your favorite team's goal song. So, Donnie, you're a Rangers fan. You can't pick the Rangers, but you can you can pick anybody else. Who, who are you thinking? Favorite goal song in the NHL? Yeah, it's got to be Chelsea Dagger. I think it's just a classic, uh, especially in our group. We've kind of uh, Chelsea Dagger is kind of a meme, but it's it's funny, it's timeless, and it's classic. And, you know, it, it gets you going, you know. That, that's what I'm looking for out of a goal song. I don't want to hear, you're making my dreams come true. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm fine without uh, – Without dealing with that. Obviously, great song, not a goal song, but uh, I will definitely go with Chelsea Dagger. Um, what about you? Yeah, that's a good pick. Can't go with Chelsea Dagger. Blackhawks are my favorite team. So I do like the Rangers song. Uh, goal song, there's a like, whoa. I like that for the Rangers. But actually, I'm going to go with the Montreal Canadiens. I think they have a good goal song. Uh, Bell Center always gets fired up in the half score. So uh, there you go. I'll shout out the Canadiens there for uh, favorite team goal song. So thank you for that question, Scott. Next one here, interesting thought from Scott. He says, should the NHL keep expanding? If so, how many teams should they go up to? So we've talked about this before, but Seattle, they're coming in the NHL, bringing them up to 32 teams, same as the NFL. So this is a really interesting thought. Should the NHL keep expanding? And actually, when I first thought of this uh, question, keep expanding, I initially thought of NFL. I know this question is about the NHL, but uh, the NFL is kind of, they've played games in London and there's kind of rumors that maybe the Jags will go to London. I joked about that uh, at the end of last podcast. So maybe low-key the NHL should say, hey, maybe we can get a team over uh, in Europe. I know there's a lot of demand for hockey in Europe, maybe like Sweden or something like that. That would be really interesting. Uh, if they were the first team uh, of the North American sports to break overseas into Europe, I think that would be uh, a good avenue for the NHL. But as for right now, I think they're probably going to stay put at 32 for uh, at least a little while. I think that's fair. 
Uh, I'd be shocked to see them go overseas. I just I don't see that being a potential uh, option. Although it would be fantastic. Um, there's a lot of issues with expanding overseas that, which is why the NFL will have a lot of issues doing it. Although they have one o'clock games, they have weekends, so they can they can deal with things like that. Um, in terms of the NHL, uh, I, I don't know. Expansion is interesting because the the one big thing is a watered down pool of players um, per team. And then it gets dicey. Obviously, we've seen different leagues like the NBA uh, have issues with their expansion. Obviously, we've had teams that have expanded in recent years. Um, the last couple of decades struggled to be able to put together a realistic team. Um, whereas in the NHL, I think at this point, Seattle will be able to put together a good team with the leftovers from whatever they get. And then um, they could maybe add an extra two teams. But I think that there's more of a worry about teams that don't have good attendance at this point. I think instead of uh, dealing with expansion, uh, adding a team in Seattle, they should be more worried about teams like the Florida teams, like the Panthers, who really can't get anybody to go to their games um, and, and such. I think that's the bigger issue in everything. It's making sure that you have places that, one, you can put together a good team, and two, you can get people to come to games. Um, the Panthers are definitely not one of the bottom five teams to watch in the league. I think that you would agree on that, saying that they're, they're more exciting than a bottom five team, yet... Their attendance is just awful. So imagine expanding, watering down teams like that, uh, and then they would just have so many issues getting people to come to games, let alone I don't even know where they would expand to at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. Last thought I have about expanding is give me a team in China as well. I know I just brought up Europe, but uh, I think China is also a big market that uh, I think some league, I would probably bank on the NBA being the first team to get into China, but uh, it just seems like there's so many people there that uh, you could at least have some demand. So uh, there's some thoughts on expansion. Uh, there from Scott. So that was a good question. And then we can move on to Scott's next question here. He says, did the Chicago Cubs address their needs effectively at the trade deadline? So I do not think so, but here we go. I'll recap their deadline here. They acquired left-handed pitcher Josh Oshich and Andrew Chafin and outfielder Cameron Mabin. So I don't know. My thoughts on the Cubs, to be honest here, I think they kind of just are riding the hot start that they had. Hot start that they had. I kind of said that like a Boston accent, but hot start that they had. Hot start. They started. I know, right? Park the car. I'm not talking about the Red Sox <laughs> right now, but uh, yeah, I feel like the Cubs are just kind of riding the hot start that they had. They were like 13 and three to start the year, and then they've kind of just played average baseball over that. But that's kind of been enough for them to lead the division. So I definitely have my concerns about the Cubs. I know Donnie brought up the bullpen. That was something that we highlighted before the season as something that was a concern of mine, just given the fact that they didn't have a ton of veterans and uh, Craig Kimbrell has kind of struggled as well. So I don't. I thought it was kind of an underwhelming deadline for the Cubs. Um, not a team that I expect to make a significant playoff run, even if they end up winning the NL Central. I think um that's kind of just inflated by how they started the year so um yeah there's some there's some cup sauce there yeah i don't know especially with the cubs i don't know if there's necessarily things that you can address you would just expect that your players to uh, perform better obviously we've seen some mediocre starts out of guys like javi baez who is still struggling to really get uh a consistent you know you know a couple weeks going here um but yeah, I don't know. The bullpen's always going to be an issue, but the bullpen's an issue everywhere. Their pitching is not great, although they're getting random no-hitters out of Alec Mills, which is just, you know, props to them. Um, but yeah, I, I think especially teams like the Cubs are more reliant on their stars than just about anybody in the league. Uh, guys like Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, guys like that. Um, and they haven't necessarily seen what they're looking for out of the, all of those guys to really put it together. 
Um, obviously, we're getting close to the playoffs now. If they can't put it together near, uh, give it like a week or two, um, you'd be going into the playoffs with some cold stars. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think the Cubs really have a chance at this point. Um, I, I think that that would have been established before the year. The Cubs are a little bit more mediocre in terms of what they have um, just on the roster in general, but they're playing in a division that is just so piss poor right now that they are just the least mediocre of mediocrity, um, to put it put it simply. Um, it's like, you know, when, you, when you're competing against teams like the Cardinals and the Reds, wh- what, are you, what are you really looking for? It's like the Brewers stink. Um, so that was, I, I think the Brewers were their number one competition coming into the year, and they've just been god-awful. So I think it's less the Cubs being good and more the division being bad at this point. Uh, I would expect the, the deadline would have been a waste of, had they tried to go all in and spend give up all their prospects and such, I think. So you, know, you can go either way on it necessarily, uh, however you feel. Um, but I would say the Cubs are more in need of like a long-term change and not just, you know, giving up prospects to add on, uh, expiring guys in the bullpen and, and such, you know, the Cubs are in a very interesting position as a Cubs fan. I'm not sure if I would be happy where they are. Or I'd be very uneasy about the future at this point. Yeah, I think you mentioned it with the stars, but Chris Bryant has been banged up inconsistent this year. So I see potential there for the Cubs, but yeah, to your point, it kind of seemed like this deadline was more of a seller's market. The teams that were looking to buy had to give up a lot. So uh, I think there is some upside that, well, maybe you're not completely mortgaging the future, which uh, I still think the Cubs need to do a little bit better job at kind of replenishing their prospect pool um, after they had made some trades uh, the last couple of years at the deadline. So, um, yeah, I, I think if they addressed their needs. I think they added a little bit, but uh, not enough to where I think the Cubs are now uh, a premier threat uh, to come out of the NL, even given the fact that they um, probably will end up winning that division. So uh, interesting thoughts there as they relate to the Cubs. I know Donnie brought up the Alec Knowles no-hitter as well. Uh, that was a uh, funny thing. But yeah, Brewers lineup, not very good. Still counts, a no-hitter is no-hitter. But yeah, that, that, is, that is a pretty rough lineup outside of Christian Yelich. So um, that was pretty interesting. So uh, good thought there from Scott. We appreciate all of his questions. He had one other thought, just wanted to revisit uh, him bringing up are the Stars a serious cup threat. So, I mean, Stars, they're in the cup final now. We're, we're giving them a little bit more respect. But, yeah, I think Donnie and I are still leaning with uh, with Tampa to, to eventually come out of uh, the East and win it all. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll give Tampa their – or we'll give Dallas their their cup threat status when, if, if they hoist it. So, uh, we'll, we'll go with that. So, uh, big thanks to Scotty G for his questions this week, as he does every week. So, uh, thanks again to Scott. Next question here comes from Moneyline Media. Going back to the NFL, he says, will the football team win the NFC East? So we mentioned it, Washington, they're leading the NFC East. Everybody else is 0-1. But I'm going to go back to my initial pick that I made last week on a preview pod. I think Dallas is still the team that I am picking to win the NFC East over Washington uh, and Philly and New York. So um, that's where I lean in the NFC East, even though, that is how things kind of lined up after week one with uh, with Washington being at the top. Yeah, you know, if they do happen to, uh, you know, make a run and win nine or ten games, I would just be shocked. And I think most of the betters in the league would be shocked too. Uh, I think they were like a five-and-a-half win um, projection, the over-under. Um, you know, great job, guys. You won a game. Uh, again, RK has been saying time and time again that he doesn't think the Eagles are that good, and he thinks they could have very well lost that game. So he's not surprised by it, and if he's not surprised by it, I'm not surprised by it. Um, 
I'll still say they probably end up last in the division, although the Giants could very well end up there, or you know, a team with an injury could end up there. Um, I don't think that they're going to be there just yet. We need to see a lot of growth out of guys like Haskins and McLaurin uh, offensively, and obviously, you know, losing uh, their starting running back early on doesn't help. Um, and he was now uh, kind of a scumbag, so that, that's unfortunate for them. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna buy into the the Washington football team just yet. Give me like three or four weeks. If they end up, if they if they go four and one, we'll talk. How's that sound? If they if they end up at four and yeah. one, fine. They can have the division. Like like, hey, claps to you. Like you did a great job. Like, I don't. Yeah, know. they they got to prove it a little bit more than they had. Donnie brought up the running situation. Obviously, no more Darius Geis, no more Adrian Peterson. They were running with uh mostly Peyton Barber and a little bit of Antonio Gibson uh in week one. So. I don't know about that long-term there for watching in the run game. And then, as I was mentioning at the top of the Eagles, a positive was that Darius Slay kind of did a nice job shadowing Terry McLaurin. I think he's definitely their biggest threat on offense. So if you can kind of take that away, I think that makes things a lot tougher for Dwayne Haskins. And uh, I know Washington, they ended up scoring 27 points in the game, but a lot of that was coming off turnovers. The, as I said, the Eagles offensive line really helped them back. So uh, good for Washington. As I said, their D-line is legit. It's, I think it's right up there with any team in the league. When, when you talk about defensive line groups, right up there with San Francisco, honestly. Uh, for best units there but uh, kind of the rest of the team still uh, a little bit where I think it's lacking even if Dwayne Haskins starts to progress a little bit uh, not a team I still think is a threat to win the division even though it's a bad division they'll hang around but uh, yeah I'm not I'm not picking them I'm not picking the football team uh, to win the NFC so uh, good question there from Moneyline Media. we appreciate that one then here we go end of the podcast last question this one comes from Michelle she says mittens or gloves and she wants an argument that's going to convince the masses and boy Donnie and I had a conversation about this before we recorded the podcast and this is such an easy answer between mittens and gloves because one of these items a mitten literally you can't do anything with your hands I can't I can't pick anything up like they're covering my fingers my my hand is essentially useless but if I have a glove wow now I actually have a little bit of flexibility in my hand to do things and guess what the glove it still makes you warm too it still gives you all the practicality needs that a mitten does but it just does something way more efficient so I'm going with a glove and it's not even close I'm not picking a mitten over a glove I told Donnie I think I the last time I wore a mitten I was like six years old and then I realized that I could just wear gloves Gloves, and I've worn gloves ever since. So there you go. I got a little riled up there, but yeah, it's gloves. That's what I'm going with. You know, if you had put a bet on this being the most passionate that Ryan gets in the podcast, I would have told you, you know, um, maybe not. But I do agree. I think at this point, just think about it. The glove functionality, there's been a lot of advancements in the glove technology that we've had over the last five, six, seven years. Um, you can use your phone while using gloves uh, and such, as we discussed. And again, it's like, I'm not going to go outside with mittens and try to shovel snow in negative temperatures. I'm going to be cold. My hands will still be cold. Whereas with gloves, the gloves give you a little bit more functionality and they give you more heat. And then there are gloves that are like insulated, like they're fancy. You know, if I had to pick between a fancy glove or a fancy mitten, I think I'm going to go with gloves. Although, you know, it's like you could make a mitten from yarn at home if you really wanted to. You know, it's just like, I'm going to go with gloves. I think gloves are just the more... Um, reasonable choice uh if you're not worried about fashion you know it's like i'm sure uh josh posniak might be a mittens fan i don't know like something like that but uh at, at this point we the will gucci go mittens yeah the gucci mittens yeah exactly oh i just spent 300 dollars on these gucci mittens bro um but yeah you know I'll, I'll definitely go with gloves at this point um I, I don't know i just i have a pair of gloves they haven't done me wrong and for that i have i have loyalty to the gloves forever so that, that's all i got for you 
Yeah, that is an easy answer. I'm going with gloves a hundred times out of a hundred. Get your mittens out of here. I'm not. I'm not trying to wear no mitten and and limit my hand usage. So yeah, that's an easy answer. If that doesn't convince the masses, I don't know what will. But if you're a mitten, if you're a mitten truther out there, let us know why. What are the benefits of a mitten that I'm missing? Let me know on Twitter at Roadkiller to three or on our podcast Twitter at Rock Podcast. So. Uh, let us know. Let us know the mitten truthers out there. But yeah, you you gloves people, you know, you know that you want your hand flexibility. So bang, it's easy. We're going with gloves. So uh, thank you for that question, Michelle. We appreciate it. Thank you to everybody for listening through this podcast. You are an end of podcast folk now. Congratulations, you made it through the end of this podcast. This was episode thirty-three. We've done thirty-two prior episodes of this exact podcast. And we always end our podcast with stupid fucking questions. So if you want to hear us, us more similar rants to why gloves are better than mittens or random ass topics, just go to the end of our any podcast that we've had. That's what we do. So uh, really good stuff. Once again, appreciate everybody for listening. But I'm going to send it over to Donnie to make a request to a certain rapper to come on this podcast and wrap things up. All right, Jake. I mean, Sheck Wes. Sheck Wes. We're going to really need you to get on the podcast here. Um, it's getting ridiculous at this point. We know... You know, you, you at this point, you've seen a tweet or something that we've sent at you and you have just decided to ignore it, which is, you know, it, it hurts a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just going to give you a passionate plea here. Um, you can decide what you want to talk about. You can send us topics. You can even put in questions here if you want to. Um, and we'll answer everyone with you around. Uh, you can tell us the time. If it's 4 a.m., I'm sure Ryan and I would both be willing to stay up to 4 a.m. to record it. Um, although it may be difficult with him, I, I'm definitely game for four. Hey, I'll podcast. make it happen. If that's what Sheck says, I'm down. Yeah, but Sheck, at this point, it's getting ridiculous here. Let, let's figure it out. Let, let's do something here. Uh, get your people in touch with my people at Roth Podcast. It's really not that hard. You know, our DMs are open. Our, you can send us. Uh, we will see the notification. You can do something like you know, just just help us out. It, it was a running joke at first, but now we're really we're really waiting on you. You know, we we are growing as people, and when when I grow with you. Um, but other than that. We really appreciate all the questions as per usual, even if they're about mittens or gloves, you know, um, we'll answer everything that you got for us. Um, so make sure to put in questions again for next week and we will be back again next week with another podcast. I'm Donovan. Ryan was here with me and I hope you have a great rest of your day, week or whatever you're at here. Peace, everybody. Peace. Pull up, pull up, silent, can't pre me I'm a nightman, ACG me I'm a right fam, don't want freebies SJWs can't PC me Lyrics trouble you, yeah man, me free That's why man I write bars fam, easy Don't like what I say, SMD Please didn't do nothing last time man, CA Pull up, pull up, outside and meet me About drugs, what, boots or GP About plug, what, AC, DC About tug, what, ropes in PE About slugs, what, garden, greeny 